0: We are starting a new sermon series called Ready, Set, Go. Before we dig into that, let me remind you that tonight we're doing something we haven't done before. We are having to have business meeting to present our budget. We normally do that on Wednesday evenings, but that is not going to be possible with spring break upon us. And even if we did, our middle schoolers would be here in the sanctuary. So we are doing it tonight, Sunday night, 5 p.m., I know you thought, man, I can't believe what a great Sunday. I lose an hour of sleep and I get a business meeting on top of it, right? How good a planning is that? We will have dessert to make it worth your while. You may say, why would I come to a business meeting about our budget? Well, it's what we do together collectively. You need to see how God is moving through your church and what we are funding together for the kingdom of God. So for our teenagers and up, we want to encourage you. Children are welcome to come as well, but we certainly want you to be here tonight. We will present that budget. We'll vote on new finance and personnel committee members, and then we will table that vote. There will be Q&A next Wednesday, even though it's spring break. You can come if you have additional questions. You can get those answered next Wednesday, and we'll vote next Sunday. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 85. Psalm 85. I don't know how alert you've been recently about what's happening, not just in our nation, but around the world. There appears to be a spirit of revival breaking out. There seems to be a fresh move of God's spirit, not just in Kentucky, but all around the world. We're hearing reports of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And my question for us as a body of believers here at PCBC is, are we ready Notice the sermon series, Ready, Set, Go. I'm going to challenge us beginning today for us to prepare our hearts to be ready. And Look what the psalmist prayed in verse 6. Go to verse 6 of Psalm 85. The psalmist said, God, will you not yourself revive us again? How many of you got up this morning and that was your prayer? God, you got to revive me, man. I just lost an hour of sleep. Red Bull can't fix it. Monster drinks aren't going to happen. It's going to take all of you to get me out of bed today. Can I get any? Maybe it was just me. We need God to revive us, not just on Time Change Sunday. We need God to revive us, period. And the psalmist said, God, revive us again. that That your people may rejoice in you. I would tell you that as we look throughout human history... Satan, the enemy of the human soul, has done more damage on this earth through a spirit of religion than he has done with any other kind of sin. You say religion? I thought religion was a good thing. Well, that depends on your definition. Religion, apart from a relationship with God, is simply that it's religion. And Satan will take as many people, if not more people, into hell, thinking they're fine because they had a religion, but they never had a relationship with God. I believe that the Bible is clear. There will be many on that day who say, Lord, Lord, we did all these things. We did things in your name. He said, I never knew you. So apparently, hell will be populated with many people who fell short of what God had for them. They settled for the spirit of religion. And I'm not sure about what your desire is today. I desire not to experience religion, but to experience the power of a holy, mighty God. Leonard Ravenhill long ago said, As long as we are content to live without revival, we will. Think about that, what he was saying. And I would tell this, especially this audience, this generation, there's something that you've never tasted, that you've never ever experienced Because it's your generation, and that is the spirit of revival. For decades now, we have been content in Western Christianity. We've been content just to settle for a religious experience, a Sunday morning Christianity, and we have not hungered and desired for revival. May God break our hearts like he did the psalmist, and may we start praying starting today, God, revive us again. So what was the psalmist asking? When he was declaring to God his need for revival, that word revive in the verb tense literally means, God, I need you to change the state that I now live in. Not the state of Oklahoma, the condition of his heart. He was crying out to God to say, God, I need you to change me completely from the inside out. Matter of fact, that Hebrew word for revive literally means to infuse life where there is no Life, Like a desert without rain, soil that has not experienced water never bears fruit. And I'm afraid there are many in the church today that have experienced salvation, they've come to know Christ and their need to be saved, but they've not been experiencing the living water in a day-to-day walk with God, and they've become like desert soil. God infusing us new life. As you look at this verse, understand what the psalmist understood. We cannot manufacture revival. We can't take a calendar and say, you know what? In the month of April, we're going to schedule a revival. I grew up in the church in the 80s when that's what they did. They had planned revivals, and they were a good thing, and God moved. But we cannot make revival happen. We can't manufacture it. Notice the psalmist didn't say, God, just be patient with me, God, as I seek to revive my love for you. said Lord we need you to revive us again and while we can't manufacture or make it happen we can prepare for it we can do what the psalmist did and we can pray for it but I would suggest to you that most in the church today are not praying for revival oh they may be praying they're praying for God to deliver them. They're praying for God to do good things for them. But we need to get back to what the psalmist prayed, praying for God to bring revival among us. We began this year with Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. I challenge you as a body of believers to re-engage with the Acts 1-8 strategy to, to take next steps in how we can make a difference in our Jerusalem, the shadow of our steeple. How we can make a difference in our Judea, our city, our Samaria, our nation, and all the way around the earth. And many of you have started stepping up, and many of you have said, I want to engage. I want to to be a part of kingdom things that really matter, not just in my lifetime, but for all of eternity. And I would say to you that we as Southern Baptists have been radically committed to the Great Commission. And actually, let me be more accurate. Let Let me say that differently we have been radically committed to most of the great commission what do i mean by that well turn to the great commission it's found in matthew matthew chapter 28 and i would say this we've been radically committed to the go part of the great commission we go more than anybody on the planet we will go this year to new york city we will go to zambia we will go to costa rica we will go to honduras We will go, and we will go, and we will go with disaster relief, and we will go as we should. That's what the Great Commission speaks of. Look at it. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came up. This is his last will and testament. The last words he would give to his disciples before he would ascend to heaven. And he said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Look at verse 19. There's the part we get. We get this well. Go, therefore... And so you've been challenged, if you've ever spent any time in a Baptist church anywhere on this planet, you've been challenged to go and to go and to go. And that comes from Scripture. We should be going. We should be taking next steps. But I'm afraid we may have forgotten the first step. Is it possible to take next steps and miss the first step? Well, as he goes on, he says, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Jesus said, the authority that I have from the Father, I give to you. The church, those who know me, and he doesn't just give it to you for no reason, he gives it to you so you can go into this earth and make a difference with your life. God has a holy purpose for your saved new life. But before we take our steps into Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or the ends of the earth, we need to return to the very first step. I want to take you there. Uh, At the beginning of the year, I told you I took you to Acts 1-8 to launch the year. Let's go back because we missed the first step. Go back, find Acts chapter 1, and let's back up a few verses to verse 4. Before we get to Acts 1-8, you first have to get to Acts 1 verse 4. Take a look at it what is not mentioned in matthew 28 is revealed in acts chapter 1 verse 4 yes god called them to go and if we're not careful we get so caught up in that command the great commission we forget the great first step look at it in verse 4 gathering them together he commanded them not to leave jerusalem but underline the next phrase what were they to do next they were To wait why would they wait people are dying and going to hell why would they wait because they weren't ready and I would tell you we've been so busy going we have failed to get ready for the mission God does have for us that if we're not careful we can take next steps and still not make a difference in our world if we don't experience the first steps what is the first step the first step is to get ready to get ready by waiting on the Lord. He said, but wait for what the Father has promised, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He said to his disciples, yes, I want you to go into all the world, but before you take those steps, take the most important step and be ready. Wait. Wait for me to equip you. Wait for me to give you my Holy Spirit power. You see, before they could change the world, they needed to be changed. They needed the life of the Holy Spirit in them before they could take life to a world that was dead in their sin. Verse 6. Now we start moving our way to the next steps. Look at it in verse 6. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you're restoring the kingdom of Israel? You may not get it right here, but you know what they're doing? They're moving on. They're not waiting, they're trying to push God's agenda. Lord, I hear you, that you want us to wait for the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's good, but but, but we got bigger questions. Surely this is the time now that we get to take over our city, we get to kick Rome out, because that's what they thought Messiah was going to do. He was going to deliver them from the oppression of their government. They didn't realize that there was one governing their heart, Satan, that needed to be kicked out. They were too busy trying to accomplish their own agenda, and they were missing it. God said, you're not ready. You're not ready. You need to learn to wait. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the epics which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive in time as you wait, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you then you'll be ready then you'll be my witnesses then you can take your next steps i'm afraid that for many you've come to know christ and you were immediately sent into the world we taught you to go but i'm not so sure we've taught you how to be ready I'm not so sure that we aren't trying to do the right thing, but without the power of God, and we're getting the wrong results. It's not because Christianity doesn't work, it's because we haven't been ready. We need God's power. We need God to fill us with His Spirit. We need to be revived again as He infuses His life in ours. And so He told His disciples wait. They weren't ready for what was coming next. As a matter of fact, they had the wrong picture of what should happen next. They thought the next thing that would happen is that Rome would be kicked out of Jerusalem. They'd get their city back. They'd get their country back as if that's the greatest need that they had. You know there's some people today, they're praying in the same vein. God, we just need our country back. And boy, we need some change in our country. But you know what we need is not a new government, not new policies, although we need those things. You know what we need more than anything else? We need revival. God, revive us again. They weren't ready. They were looking for the wrong things. They had no idea what was coming next because eventually as they did honor God, as they did wait, they did receive the Holy Spirit, and Peter would preach the first sermon. He had no idea that thousands of people would see their lives change because the Holy Spirit broke out among his people. May we see... In our day what they saw in their day may we see a move of the Holy Spirit not a move of us but a move of God's power through His Holy Spirit how do we get there let me take you back to a passage go to your Old Testament find 1st Chronicles chapter 16 Chronicles chapter 16 as you get there and you turn there we're gonna find King David who has been anointed by God to be his king They had picked their own king before, and he failed miserably, a guy named King Saul. David is now king of Israel, and he's restoring, he's praying for revival among his people. And he begins to lead the way and shepherd the people to revival. How will we experience revival in our land? Well, let's learn from history. Let's see how revival came to Israel as David challenge them. Go to verse 8. First Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 8. Now, as you read these next verses, what you actually are seeing quoted here, David is going to lead the people to a corporate gathering, a, cor- a corporate repentance. They're going to confess that they need God and not a better king. They're going to confess that they need God's power and presence, not a bigger army or a bigger treasury. And in this song that they're going to declare publicly as one people, It actually is what we know as Psalm 105, the song that God gave David. He gives to the people. But we find it recorded in 1 Chronicles 16, verse 8. Look at it. He says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. He challenges the people to live differently than their forefathers, to not fall into the trap of idolatry or casual compromise. He says we must come together as God's people, and we've got to seek him. We've got to call upon his name. Now, I would tell you that we in Western Christianity, we know how to call out to God. Let me prove it to you. You all don't realize it. It's Let's pretend it's next week. It's spring break. You are now on a big jumbo jet. You are now filling the plane. You're in first class because you belong to Christ. All right? You're in, the, you're in first class. You're sitting there, and you've been popping peanuts and drinking your free little Coke, and all of a sudden, it comes over the announcements. Ladies and gentlemen, not sure we're going to have a spring break this year. We've just lost all of our engines. What's the first thing you're going to start doing? No, 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 I get it. I know what you're going to do. You paid $12.95 for that video. You're going to watch the rest of that video, right? It doesn't matter if the plane's going down. You're going to get the full video in because you paid $12.95. Or you're going to keep popping peanuts and maybe steal your neighbors and say, you don't need those now. We're going to die 30 seconds from now. Give me your peanuts. No, you're not going to be worried about peanuts or videos. You know what you're going to do? Very first thing, and I don't even care if you believe there is a God. You know what you'll start doing? You'll pray like nobody else's business. And I've seen it happen before. People who have cussed God during the flight, we hit some turbulence, and it's amazing how spiritual they get in 30 seconds. Oh, God. All of a sudden, we need him, right? We know how to call out to God, but we don't know how to experience revival. We know how to call out to God when we need God to do something for us. We know how to call on God when we need him to open up the checkbook, the holy checkbook, because he's the God of all provision. We know how to call out to God when we need God to change a doctor's report, but we don't know how to call out to God in revival. Take a look at it. Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Speak of all of his wonders. Glory in his holy name and let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad There are a lot of people in the church today who are not very glad people They're saved They know they're going to heaven but they're just as miserable as the other people on planet How is that possible? It's because if you disconnect from the God who has saved you, you can be just as miserable as the one who has not been saved from God And he says, it's time for us to get glad again. It's time for us as a people to quit being under the bondage and oppression of other nations. But it's time for us to honor God with our lives in a spirit of revival. So here's the key. Look at verse 11. It's my favorite verse on prayer. It's a simple verse. But David teaches them how to actually pray a prayer that matters. He says, so seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face continually. Again, I told you this is the psalm that David wrote, Psalm 105. And look at what he teaches them to do. He says, first of all, seek his person. When he says, seek the Lord, he's not just saying, uh, start praying more. He's telling them how to pray. He says, instead of just praying to God to do something for you, don't seek the God of provision necessarily. Seek his person first. Seek the Lord. Make that matter most. We're too busy crying out to God because we need him to do something. We spend little time crying out to God because we just need his person. Notice what else he tells him to pray for. Not only that you are to seek his person, seek the Lord first, but then he says seek his strength. Seek his strength. There are way too many people today who have sought the Lord for salvation and stop there and then after they've been saved and I know because I did this and I have a tendency to still do it from time to time we get saved and then we buy into this and we think well you know what I just got to be strong for God and we pray even that way God help me to be stronger I keep falling in this sin or in this struggle God help me to be stronger wrong prayer it'll never get answered it's the wrong prayer what did the psalmist pray he didn't say God we want to be stronger for you what did he pray for and seek his strength there's a reason the Holy Spirit lives in you if you know Christ he lives in you to give you the power you never had before he gives us his resurrection power because we aren't strong enough and we don't have the strength but we do through Christ who strengthens us the psalmist taught him it's not that you aren't strong enough in your faith The reality is we need to place our faith in His strength. We don't seek to be stronger. We seek Him and ask Him to be our strength. There's a big difference. So there are many people today who don't experience revival. You know why? Because they're trying to do it in their own strength. They're trying to be a good Christian, do the right things for Christ, and that sounds good, but it's the wrong way to do it. Instead of declaring every day God... I seek you. Lord, I just seek you and nothing else. And God, today, I seek your strength. God, deliver me from evil. God, fill me with your spirit. God, may your power be my strength. But then look at the next thing he taught him to pray for. Seek his person. Seek his strength. But look at the last thing. Seek his face. One of the burdens I have for this generation, for my grandkids and the generations to follow is you're growing up in a day and age where you don't spend much time face to face because you got FaceTime. You got an app. You got a screen. And I'm thankful. I love FaceTime. I I, I love to zoom up the grandkids and get to give them some grief over the app FaceTime. But you know what I cherish more than anything else is actually FaceTime, getting to see them getting a hug on them, getting to be with them, real FaceTime. And this generation is disconnecting from relationships. Oh, I know you got followers. I know you got friends. But we don't have FaceTime. We don't know how to spend time together. We only know how to connect online, but not to connect personally. And I'm afraid that's carrying over not just from this physical realm, but it's carrying over in the spiritual realm. That we are distancing ourselves from relationship with one another and with him. I love it when my kids will call me. Now, i got to be honest, most of the times when I get a call from my kids, it's because something's broken and needs to be fixed. Uh, They need money. That's changing as they've gotten older a little bit. Not enough, but a little bit. And I'm, I'm still glad they come to mom and dad. But you know what is more awesome? Is when they just call and say, hey, what's going on today? Okay, how much do you need? No, 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 no. Really, seriously. How's it going? What you been doing today, dad? Pops? I wanted to be Mac Daddy. I'm Pops. He wouldn't let me be Mac Daddy. And I just love... But they're checking on me no agenda no seeking my hand it's what's called seeking your face that word face in the old testament actually means presence your presence i just want FaceTime. it don't work as good on the app i need your presence i just need time with you and if you want to experience revival it ain't going to happen because the church puts it on a calendar and we bring in some really cool speaker and we serve you pizza And we call it revival. Revival happens when our soul is so dry and so dead that we cry out to God and say, God, revive us again. And David taught the people the only way it's going to happen is that you connect with God face to face. And so, in the days ahead, from this day forward, the challenge today is this start praying. Let's get ready. Before we take our next steps, before we go on another mission trip, before we go back to our schools, we need to start praying today what the psalmist prayed, God, revive us, revive me. We're going to do that in just a moment. We're going to start there, and we're going to spend the next weeks getting ready. And I don't know what it's going to look like. I can't manufacture it, neither can you. But I know this, we can get ready. We can get ready by taking the first step, and what's that first step? Waiting. Waiting for the Lord to fill us with his spirit, waiting for God to restore us through our repentance as we seek his face. You're gonna hear more starting next week about how we're gonna do that corporately and how we're gonna challenge you to do that personally. But let's start with it today before we go another step. Before we move on, let's just practice what we've already seen in scripture. Let's cry out to God for revival. Would you join me as everybody bows their head and takes the next moment, holy moments, to simply wait on the Lord, to say, God, I seek you and nothing else. You and you alone. Lord, I need time. I need to be revived in my spirit. Would you be willing to pray that right now, all over this room? It may be hard for you to pray that because you know there's something in your heart that's not right. You know that you can't come before a holy God because you have this unholy thing in your life. Why are you going to leave that there? Why? Would you rather miss out on being glad... Or would you be willing to let God show you that thing that's keeping you from seeking His face? Would you be willing to do what the Bible says to confess it as sin? The Bible says if there be any wicked way in us, if we will confess it, if we will turn from it, God will cleanse us and forgive us of all unrighteousness. That's where revival begins. It begins at the altar of repentance. And the psalmist just didn't say, God may you revive me, he prayed that God would revive us. And God forbid I be the one to keep us from revival because I'd rather hang on to my stuff, my sin. God, break us. Break me. Show me my sin. Would you pray something like that? Would you be willing to be the one to usher in revival among us through your repentance? there is a wicked way in you, take it to God right now. Surrender it to him. Let's see God start to answer the prayer for revival today among us. In a moment, we'll stand. Alex will sing. I'm going to ask that our staff would be over on the wings, on the sides of the stage. I want to leave the front stage open because I want some of you to come during this time as well there'll be some who come to join the church there'll be some who come and say i need you to pray over me i need to repent we want to pray with you there might be somebody who says you know what i can't god can't revive me because god has never revived me you say what do you mean vibed you can't be revived if you haven't been vibed by definition being vibed means coming to life being born through christ you've never been saved you can't experience revival until you've been vived. You need to be saved right now. You need to come to one of our staff and say, I need to be vived." They'll know what you mean. You may not, but they will. They'll pray with you. Or maybe you just need to come and pray and say, I've been saved, vived, but I need to repent. If I'm ever going to experience revival, I need to repent. Would you pray with me? We'd love to pray with you here at the front. So you can find one of our staff for whatever decision you might have today. Come to them, find them. But others of you... You can come and grab some of these cards, take them back with you so that you'll be ready this week. Somebody who needs an invitation, somebody who needs a blessing, you can invite them during Holy Week to experience what God is going to do among us. I'm going to encourage you to come. So there'll be a lot of people moving. If it's a decision for Christ, go to the sides. If it's to come and grab cards, come and grab these, take them back to your seat, and start praying over them. I'm going to pray for you, and when you stand, you start moving. Ready? Set, pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for loving us even when we're unlovable. God, thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. God, thank you that you are the God who revives us. So God, do a fresh work in my life. God, do a fresh work in our life. God, may you be the God who revives. We ask this in Jesus' name.